This is a, um, a well-digging, bell-ringing service, yeah? <laughs> well-digging. Yeah, that's the topic tonight. I want to talk to you about wells and bells. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Wells, wells and bells, they're, they're, they're rhymes, but they're two very different items. And they serve two very different purposes. And um, my earliest memory of, of bells was at St. Kieran's Primary School at Northbridge about 40 years ago, maybe 45 years ago. It was a, a bell which, you know, was a brass bell that hung outside the headmaster's office or the um, teacher's quarters. And they would be ring it when it was time to go into school and they'd ring it when it was uh, time for lunch and they'd ring it again when it was time uh, to go home. And then when I progressed to high school, uh, there was bells there also, but they were like electric bells, but they sounded really harsh. I think they still had the golden bell, but they, they didn't use it. I think they took the thing off it so the kids couldn't, you know, smash it, what boys do. Um, so, but <coughs> I remember, you know, the bell, it was, you know, depending on what it signified, you know, brought different feelings of emotions into my life. And sometimes it made me happy and other times it made me sad. You know, when I had to finish my lunch and finish handball and go to class, it was feelings of sadness. But then when it was three o'clock, time to go home, it was like, yippee, rejoicing. You know, and the odd Friday was, you know, a bit terrifying if I had a Friday afternoon detention. So bells, you know, speak different things. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's kind of an introduction. Um, my father was a bell ringer and... When he was 12 years old, I'll tell you the full story later. Some of you, you know it, but it's, it's important uh, for what I want to communicate tonight. My father, when he was 12, he rang the bell in the Presbyterian church down at opposite Manly Oval there. And um, his duty was to notify those around that it was time to stop what you're doing and come to the house of God and come to worship God. And so, so bells... Spiritually, I believe bells speak about, uh, actually, church history says when bells is something behind the sound of bells which speaks about deliverance, deliverance from, from demonic oppression. And I believe there's going to be some uh, deliverance tonight. I believe there's some, some bells ringing. And uh, bells, can, to me, speaks about a change of season. And I've been feeling this for the last couple of weeks. God's been stirring me. And there's a sound... Uh, in the spirit realm that I, I can't really articulate with natural words. But there's a change. I feel like there's a change coming in, in the spirit realm. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sound of a bell ringing, which, which is basically saying you, you need to stop doing what you're doing and change. Change courses, uh, not necessarily uh, change you know, uh, practical things, but spiritually is a, there's a there's a, a moving forward and moving on to something something new. Um, wells, on the other hand, uh, speak about water. It's an access point. It's a small access point to a deep, uh, sometimes river of underground water, which is very valuable. It doesn't mean much to to me. I when I when we want water, to water the garden or have a drink, we turn on a tap. We take it for granted. There's a very big dam called Warabagamba Dam. But in Israel and in desert desolate areas where you where it's dry, there can be no life unless there's a well. And when there's a well, there's access to underground water that doesn't dry out. Uh, during dry times or times of drought. So those who had access to a well had access to life. And communities were able to be transformed because of establishments of wells. And we know for us as, 
New Testament believers, it speaks about the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Bible talks about water, it speaks about life and the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's a well here and there's a well in each one of your lives. And as we go deeper with God and as a community together, as individuals you go deeper, but as we come together in times of worship like this, we, we are digging a well. And that well is not just for you alone, but it is for your family, it's for your neighbours and it's for the community. And that's, God is establishing uh, a, a deep well. He has already established a well in this area and he's calling us to go deeper into that well, to reestablish it and also uh, to move on and dig more wells. So there are wells in the natural, but they, everything in the natural was first established in the spirit, right? So everything you see in the natural realm has its reality because there's something more real, which is a spiritual realm. So that your natural body exists because you have a spiritual body. So this, the natural is not the reality, the reality is a spiritual because the spiritual existed before the natural and the spiritual will exist after the natural. After we disappear in our natural form, we'll be given a new body, a spiritual body, the one that Jesus had and was able to walk through walls. He was able to overcome everything natural. And that is what we are building up here in our lives. So there's a spiritual well that we are entering into that's going to transform not only your life, but the community that God has put you in. And I'm a little bit nervous about what's going to happen because this is new territory for me. And that means it's new territory for you. And we are redigging uh, the wells of revival. And um, as we access this water, uh, it's going to bring transformation and life to the to the community around us you know Isaiah 32 in verse 15 Isaiah talked about when the spirit gets poured out uh, from on high there's a transformation or a change that happens in the natural realm and the change is that the wilderness or the desolate land gets transformed into a, fr a fruitful field that can speak about our lives and it can speak about the community in general, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of, I've had a, enough of just transforming my own life. I mean, I've received breakthrough in every area in my life, in physical healing, in kingdom uh, finances, um, in spiritual life, intimacy with Jesus, joy, fire of God, what? There, I have no lack in my life, but I have a lack in that this community is not being transformed. And there's not enough people coming to know Jesus. And there's a dissatisfaction in me because this spirit that God has put within me is not just for me, for my own family. It's not just for this church so that we can just come together and have a happy, clappy time. It's for community transformation. And I think that's what God is, is stirring in me uh, because he, he's not satisfied because there's many more children that are going to come home and be added uh, to this number in, in the next season. So the scripture for tonight is Genesis chapter 26 in verse 18. It'd be really helpful if you could quickly look that one up. Genesis 26, 18. And I shared it uh, couple of Sundays ago in the morning and I'm going to share it again uh, tonight maybe again next Sunday morning because it's a it's a prophetic word uh, that that God is speaking into the life of this church and for you to move forward in God in this next season in unity with what God is doing you've got to get this so Genesis 26 verse 18 Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped 
them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. So a little bit about well digging is it was an extremely arduous, hard task. Sometimes when digging in the desert, they had to dig through uh, meters and meters of sand which needed to be shored up as they went down they had to build retaining walls to stop the sand from caving in there were other times where they would have to go through layers of rock which was extremely hard they couldn't bring in a big jackhammer or an excavator they had to just beat it with whatever method they they used but it was hard work so if you dig a well in a community like that and strike water, you'll be extremely happy. And sometimes these wells would take years to dig. And it was hard, hard labor. So if you ever dug a well like this, you would protect it. You wouldn't allow it to be filled in by the enemy. But we see the Philistines here were the natural enemy in that time, but it speaks to us about our, the enemy of our soul, which is the devil. And we know the, the idea of the devil is he has one idea, that is to kill you, to destroy you, and to annihilate your life because he hates you. And so these Philistines, they are like uh, you know, little devils running around to destroy everything that God's people do- does. But while Abraham was alive, he never allowed these Philistines to come and fill in the well that he dug because he knew the value of the water. He understood that the community around him needed this water, not just for his own life, but for his family, for his crops, for his servants, and the transformation of the community around him. But these, these Philistines, they had no thought about community transformation, they were, they were happy as long as they were okay. And we can't be like these Philistines. We have to be into community transformation. But Isaac, somehow, he had neglected to maintain the wells that his father had dug. And he had left guard and these Philistines had come and filled them in with dirt. Dirt can speak to us you know, about the, the, the sinful nature, that which if we give it room, it will fill in uh, the, the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Jesus warned his church and he said, be careful of the tears of the world. Be careful of the thorns. They choke the vine. You know, the worries of the world, it's like dirt, which, you know, just fills in, fills in the, the word of God and just blocks off. Like if, if the worries of the world just become uh, more uh, than the word of God, then, then it, it blocks the flow of the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe Anna shared a beautiful word this morning about eating on the word of God and how we need to maintain uh, our healthy spiritual life by feeding every day on the word of God, which is more powerful uh, than, than any dirt that any Philistine would throw at you or any worry uh, that would come into your life. So there's, there's promises in the Word of God that counteract any attack of the enemy. But if you're not in the Word, you can't counteract the attack of the enemy. So it's time for us to go deeper into God, continuing to go deeper. Some of you are already going deep. Some of you have probably gone deeper than I have. So I'm encouraged by you. You know, when I see your devotional life and and the sacrifices that you make for the house of God and that the things that you do for the Lord, they don't go unnoticed. Nothing you do for the Lord goes unnoticed. That's why he said, if you give a little cup of cold water uh, to one of my children in, in my name, you will never lose your reward. So it doesn't matter how insignificant it it seems to be. If it's done for the Lord, uh, you'll be rewarded richly. So it's time for us not only to dig wells, but to start ringing 
some bells, you know, start making some noise. Jesus talked about uh, one kind of prayer that we, we shouldn't show off, but, you know, we shouldn't pray before men in a certain kind of prayer. We should go into the closet and in that place commune with your heavenly Father. And that's a type of digging deep into the things of God. But he also said uh, that, you know, there's a time that if you don't confess me before men, if you don't speak it out, then I won't confess you before my Father. So it's kind of like, you know, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be quiet. Thanks, Jenny. There's a time to drink as well, eh? <laughs> Amen. Hmm. Yeah. So digging deep not only allows us to have a drink, but it allows the community to drink. And I believe none of us really want to just keep it in, in the walls here. You know, we want to go out, we want to see. I think this next season is going to be a season of multiplication, taking the, taking the water of life out. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, called, we're called to worship like angels, to give him glory. But we're also called to dig wells. And we're called to protect wells. So we worship like the angels and we praise him continually. But we're called to dig like a spiritual archaeologist. Digging up the wells that our fathers, that our previous generations have dug for us. It's easier to redig an old well than to dig a new one. Basically because the old well is filled with dirt and maybe small rocks and already has the sides shored up. But a new well means you've got to start from scratch. You've got to dig through the rock. You've got to shore up the sides. But we see in this story, Isaac, when he started re-digging the wells, he was faced with some opposition and... We'll, we'll go into that a little bit later. Um, but firstly, if you're going to be a well digger, uh, you're going to have to understand a little bit about the culture of honor. And I think as we move forward in God, uh, we need to honor more. We need to honor the previous generations and the previous work of God that's gone forth, even in this land and in, in other lands. And... Uh, Culture of honor is very, it's a diff, different culture to what I grew up in. Um, and Americans really get this. And I think some of us are starting to change. We, we went to the Anzac, Josh was playing in the uh, Anzac band today in the city and we went in and it's the first time I've actually gone into the Anzac parade. And I kind of felt a little bit um, ashamed of myself because I haven't really, you know, given the soldiers that fought for this country and for my life due honor that they deserve and you know as I was standing there just seeing these you know parades coming down and these elderly men that fought uh, there was a few still alive I believe fought in the second world war in 1944 there was um, just a couple maybe in wheelchairs and um, but but then there was this the sons and the and the, even some daughters marching with, with pictures of their fathers and grandfathers that gave their life. And I was really thinking, you know, about the culture of honour, how I need to work on that in my life as well. Um, but, you know, and I was thinking, like Jesus said, uh, how can you say you love me if you don't love your neighbour, right? So our love for God is tested by the love that we have for one another. And I believe that's a principle for uh, most kingdom ideas, such as the principle of honor. How can we say we honor God, we worship God, when we don't honor man that is before us? It's the same principle. And uh, there was this one guy that he was a, a soldier that fought in, uh, in Papua New Guinea. And he was motoring and he was walking tall and uh, he was the only one in his regiment. 
And the guy behind him that was kind of like looking after him, as he walked around the corner, he's like, he's the only one. And, and everyone starts cheering and clapping and, and giving him, you know, the honor due to his life. And I, I was immediately thought about the Lord, you know, like when Jesus comes back, he's not going to do a fancy speech in order to get honor and glory. He's just going to come triumphant. He's just going to stand tall. And just his mere presence is going to give him the honor that's due to his name. So <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 23, verse 10, it says, Do not remove the ancient landmark. I believe this is talking about honor. And I don't believe Isaac was living in honor of his father. You can read the story, the story of Isaac is that he sowed, he, he, he received because of Abraham's faith and Abraham's hard work and trust in God, he was able to receive an inheritance for his children, his children's children. And even today we are the sons of Abraham. So we benefit from Abraham's faith, even though it was a basic faith, but we benefit from it. But Isaac benefited from Abraham's faith because it's written, when Isaac sowed in the land of the Philistines, he reaped a hundredfold. But what good is it to reap a hundredfold if you let the Philistines fill in the well that your father dug? Because <laughs> eventually your crops are going to need water. And if your crops are reaping a hundredfold, they're going to need a hundred times water. Because <laughs> you can't grow tomatoes in the desert without water. So for some reason... He'd let the Philistines fill in what his father had worked for. And he wasn't showing honor and respect to the diligence that his father had gone through. And when he started to redig those wells, again, the Philistines came at him. But Proverbs 23.10 tells us, Do not remove the ancient landmark. So there are landmarks in the natural which determine boundaries and there's landmarks also that would determine wells. Even though the well was filled in, there would be certain landmarks that they would look for that would locate those wells. Why the Lord says do not remove the ancient landmarks because we need to find that place because that's the place uh, in the natural that provides water, in the natural, it can provide a boundary to your property. But in the spiritual, it marks a place of revival. And there are keys that we need to unlock in order to experience revival that our forefathers have unlocked and experienced. So we need to be students in this next season of revival. We need to know why revival started. We need to know what caused it to stop. And that's... Not my responsibility, that's your responsibility. It's not my responsibility to bring revival to this land, it's your responsibility. So we, we are in this together. Abraham probably didn't do much digging on his own, but he would have had a team of men that did the digging. I can't do anything on myself, I'm quite limited, but together uh, we can do a lot. So remove not the ancient landmarks. And they show us where we need to, where we need to dig. And, and that's why we need to be uh, tune our spiritual ear into what's going on. Not, not just in spirituality, but also in every area in your business. We need to, in, in your life and in your business, in whatever activity we're into, these are the days where we need to be led uh, by the Spirit of God, not by the flesh. So in Proverbs 25.2, it says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter but it's a glory of kings to search out a matter. So we have to become well diggers. We have to be spiritual archaeologists and we have to search out where the glory is. We have to look for evidence of water. We have to look for evidence of water. And when we find that, that's where we dig. It's a glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's a glory of kings to search it out. So God has ordained there to be a search in the body of Christ. He doesn't want just to feed you just on a, on a platter every day, but he's, he, he wants you to go looking and searching 
And sometimes as second generation Christians, you know, we take everything for granted and we forget to, to really search and to go deeper. And Isaac, um, he took the wells for granted and he allowed the Philistines to fill them in. When he went to go and dig them up, uh, the first bit of opposition, he didn't stand and fight, but he moved on. That shows us that there was no fight in his life. And we've got to get our fight back. You know, even maybe you're born in a Christian family and, and your parents, you know, trained you in the things of God. But it comes a time where you've got to actually fight for your life. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And you've got to begin to, to press in yourself because it's got to be yours, not, not your parents. And as, as a, the law, I think Reinhard Bonnke's, right, one of his famous lines is, God has no grandchildren, right? <laughs> He's only got sons and daughters. So there is, on, on that, um, as, as Holly mentioned, that there is something special. You know, if you have that opportunity to have godly parents, it's, it's something special. And we would all desire that. And we, we would, those of us that are parents would desire to be godly parents and pass on something spiritual to our children. And uh, so... There is an inheritance, just as Isaac had received a spiritual inheritance from his father Abraham, uh, there is a, a spiritual inheritance that's passed through spirit to spirit. Just like you know, when, you, when you get an inheritance uh, from, from your parents or your, from your grandparents when they pass away, they may leave an inheritance, a physical inheritance, you know, some land or some, some cash or a, or a sick dog or... You know, an old car, rusty car or something. I think when my grandfather passed away, uh, my sister got some old photos, some old pictures, and I, got, I didn't get anything. So um, <laughs> I think one of my other cousins got like an old beaten up car. Um, so but we didn't do too well so far. Um, but spiritually, I think that's, that's the real inheritance that we're looking for. And, and Paul spoke about that to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, he said, um, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded, which is in you also. So we see Paul here, is, uh, he's, what he's doing is he's digging He's digging a well and he's actually digging into Timothy's life and he's calling to remembrance a genuine faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. Why was, why was he referencing his gra grandmother if spiritual inheritance wasn't a real thing? He's calling out a life in this young man that first existed in his grandmother. It's like, Remember your grandmother. <laughs> well, shape up. It's time for you to stand up and uh, live up to that standard. Not only your grandmother, your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded, which is in you also. Therefore, stir up. Therefore, don't just take it for granted, but work it out. Stir it up. Stir it up. You've got to work on this thing. Get it going. Just like your, your grandmother stirred, stirred up. And, you know, I think in this generation, we've got to get a bit of grit. We've got to get a bit of determination and a bit of fight. You know, like when I did my apprenticeship in landscaping, there weren't any diggers or any mechanical instruments. Like when we had to dig up someone's front lawn, we would line up across the lawn with a mattock each and there'd be four of us. And we bend down and we just have to dig like this, just chipping away the grass, like all day. And like, the, you know, every like <laughs> 10, 15 minutes, you've got to like stand up and bend your back the other way and then down again. <laughs> and it's like, like we would never do that these days, but, you know, we'd bring in the machine and just stand there and watch it. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's, no grit, no determination sometimes, you know, in, in the youngsters because, you know, they're just brought up, 
you know, this, doing this, press a button and all these things happen, you know. So I think spiritually as well, we've got to get some grit. You know, if we're going to see revival, if we're going to see community transformation, we've got to be committed to this. We've got to pray through. We've got to keep praying until it comes, until change comes. So the beautiful thing about spiritual inheritance is it can come to you before your parents pass away. Right. So, you know, the natural inheritance quite often doesn't come before parents pass away. So I think I'm going to try and give away, you know, all of our money before we get pass it on the property or whatever we got. Pass it to the kids before we go, you know, because it should be why, you know, I don't know. I want to bless them before I go. You know, if I give it to them before I go, then... <laughs> I get to see it, you know. It's more blessed to give than to receive, yeah. But spiritually, you know, we don't have to wait for grandma to pass on to receive what she's got. But we need a culture of honor. We have to honor what she's got to draw it out from her. You know, you don't have to wait for your parents to pass away to get what they've got, but the culture of honor draws it out. They may not be perfect in every way, but they've probably got something that you don't have if you don't honor what they've got you can't receive what they've got so we we are called to possess our possessions in the spirit before they manifest in the flesh and just to give you an example this building uh probably five five six seven years before we actually had church in this building before we even started harvest god spoke to me to come up here and pray around this building because he was going to give it to us and in early hours of the morning i came up and prayed around this building and uh, that it should become a vibrant church at that time it was it was you know it wasn't wasn't happening um and then when when we applied to to uh, use the building the initial answer was no, but in the spirit, we'd already been given it. So it was just a matter of going through the process and keep, keep knocking on the door um, until it opened. And um, I feel like, you know, we've been establishing family, you know, as a community, we've been establishing family. And, but there's a bell in the spirit ringing. There's a noise that's it's now it's saying you need to go out in the community. You know, if we keep just establishing family, we're going to, we're going to get shriveled and, and die. We've got to go out and start transforming uh, the community around us. So a couple of weeks ago, I uh, was in, in worship, I think two, three Sundays ago down here, and Jesus came to me and he handed me a baton, and it was a golden baton. I didn't understand what it was, um, but... It signified something. I, I, I thought that it was like a, uh, some information to share uh, with the church. But then we had a, um, God was stirring me in, in the area of looking into the previous revivals in the area. And Maren shared with us about her, her father who saw a revival here in the 70s. And there was 500 people on Friday night. Is that right, Maren? And, uh, and we had a wild prayer meeting, uh, two prayer meetings ago, just calling in those, the revi revival that started here through Maren's grandfather, uh, which Maren, uh, we, we call you to remembrance. You have to carry that revival. And, and, and Jackson, uh, we, yeah, we spiritually receive that baton that you're carrying, man. And uh, we, we, we call you to start running with that because um, we're going to run with you. But there's, there's no reason why there shouldn't be 500 kids in that hall next door every Friday night. In fact, we need to experience that plus more. And that's, we need to dig that, re-dig that well that the Philistines have filled in. Uh, in 1987, Pastor Jim, when I heard about Pastor Jim, God spoke to me about honoring him. And putting myself under him and allowing him to speak into my life and into the church here. Because in 1987, he came 
here an established cornerstone church next door. And there was a revival of the Word of God. There was a Bible school that operated here. There was about 200 people that would come here every weekend. During the week, you could ask um, Joy and Anna and talk to her parents about this. In fact, you should do that. You should talk to Maren about her... her um, I'm going to interview you more, Maren, because I want to learn more about the wells that were dug here in Forestville. So there was a very on-fire Bible school that taught the word of faith and people would travel from the central coast all over Sydney to come here midweek and learn the word of God. So for 18 years, uh, Pastor Jim and Chan ran Cornerstone Church. They then handed the baton over to Paul and Wendy. And for, uh, I believe, actually no, 16 years, uh, Cornerstone Church operated. They handed the baton to Paul and Wendy who started Cornerstone Church. City View Church, sorry. Cornerstone became City View. And for 18 years, they, they have run... A City View Church, which has been meeting here. So I, I'm talking 34 years of faithfully serving God. I'm talking prayer meetings, evangelism, Bible studies, faithfully doing what they've been called to do. So anyway, um, Paul, Pastor Paul, who runs City View Church, some of you know he's been here and preached, and he called me. Uh, Thursday week ago and he said that God's calling them to move the church to Linfield and he's opening up the opportunity for us to use next door which we may do after church camp for the morning service because we need more space for the children but I'm thinking in my head can I carry this baton that he's handing to me I don't believe I can so I'm going to pass it to you <laughs> <laughs> It's a baton of community transformation. You have to understand that there's a well that's been dug here, that was dug in 1970, that the Philistines filled in. It was re-dug by Pastor Jim and then continued on uh, through Pastor Paul and Wendy and they're now handing it to us. Uh, City View Church will be going and continue to thrive uh, in Linfield. It's a new fishing ground, but they are handing over the spiritual responsibility of Forestful to us. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel a little bit nervous. I have to admit that having them next door, it was a little bit of spiritual security because it was like, you know, we're on the same team. But now they've gone, the place is vacant. And we need to move into that place and take that ground because that is a landmark for Forestful and it's going to speak about community transformation. So we're going to continue to redig those previous wells and we're going to sound the bell in the spirit. There's, there's water. There's water. There's a deep well uh, that we need to encounter and experience God. Hmm. So honour, culture of honour, uh, I think it's very important for us to discover uh, and to experience the previous wells that the previous generations have dug. And uh, I've, I've already lined up uh, Pastor Jim to come and do the first service uh, next door after church camp. I think um, the Sunday after, Sunday morning. We'll still have Sunday nights in here because, you know, we all love this building and and um, it's an important part of our, our history, our short history. But, you know, we're so young, but, you know, we think we know everything. <laughs> and it, like every teenager, like, you know, I have to laugh. Um, you know, Josh is a great kid, but, you know, he was given holy driving lessons yesterday. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> I mean, Holly's like never lost a point on a license, <laughs> never had an accident. And it's like, well, come on. Like every, t <laughs> every teenager knows better than their parents, right? <laughs> so, yeah, until you get to 50, you realise like how little you do know. Um, 
for those of you that haven't heard the story about my father, it's an interesting one. Um, he grew up, my grandfather wasn't a Christian, my father grew up at Manly, and he, somehow he made his way to the Presbyterian Church and became the bell ringer when he was 12. And uh, he was quite excited about going to boarding school at Scott's College because he wanted to learn more about God. And however, at Scott's College, he had a bad experience with the chaplain. By the time he was in year 10, he understood that God didn't exist and had thrown out the idea of seeking God. I didn't know that he, when he was young, he had pursued after God on his own, without any parental persuasion, on his own. And he had become a little boy that went into the house of God, like Samuel, went into the house of God on his own and sought the Lord. But God never forgets. God never forgets those promises and those covenants that we make. Anyway, 65 years later, I haven't had a relationship with my father. We were having uh, lunch with him or dinner with him last year, trying to rekindle that relationship. And uh, I told him about the church and his question to me was like, where did you get that spirituality from? Because it doesn't come from me. But I felt the Holy Spirit say to tell him that maybe it does come from him. And when I told him there was a Presbyterian church and he began to share with me this that he'd never shared with me before, that, that he used to go when he was 12 years old and ring the bell. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know, and in my heart, I judged my father my whole life because I thought that he wasn't interested in the things of God. And that judgment against him put a barrier between us so that it actually stopped him from being able to enter into the things of God because of the judgment that I had against him in my heart. So I, I am still going through the process of reconciliation, but the Lord wants to lead us into that process, always wants to lead us into reconciliation and wants to repair uh, broken relationships. So anyway, that was Thursday night. Sunday night... We had a meeting here and there were two men that came to the church. One of them I'd met before, but the other one I hadn't. I got to pray for one of them that I didn't know and was, had some words over him. Later I found out that he was uh, the chaplain from Scots College and he came with the head of theology from Scots College. And I, in the spirit, I'm thinking, what is going on here? I mean, they heard a bell ringing in the spirit that brought them here on Sunday night. And I'm thinking, God is so concerned about reconciliation and taking revenge on the enemy. So the Philistines have filled in my father's well that was dug when he was 12 years old. We're now redigging through seeking God. And our prayers don't go in vain. And that little boy, when he was 12 years old, God is revisiting that well that was, was dug through my life. And like I've never seen those two men have not set foot inside this church again. But God brought them in here so that he could show me that, that those little advancements that we make in the spirit, he never forgets. And God is faithful to finish that which we start in our lives. So he's, he's so concerned about you he's so concerned about your family he's so concerned that the wells that our forefathers have dug get reopened and reflowing and as we search through the scriptures in our own bible study and as we come here to to study the word of god uh, we have to understand that that the word of god is not just any ordinary book it's a spiritual book and there's mysteries in the Word of God that are going to unlock your prophetic destiny and they're going to unlock your future. You will not remain the same. You cannot remain the same if you allow this prophetic book to have its way in your life. Jesus said, Matthew 13, verse 11, when the disciples asked him why he speaks in mysteries, he said, because it's the nature of the kingdom of heaven is mysteries 
This has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So there's mysteries of the kingdom of heaven in the Bible that you hold in your hand that's going to help you to bring heaven to earth. One of those mysteries uh, is, is the culture of honor. And uh, why is it a mystery? Because it's a first commandment with promise. Right? If you honor your mother and father, the promise is that you will live long on the earth. So it has, it's a natural mystery that has spiritual realities. So naturally, if we honor our mother and father, you will live long on the earth. But spiritually, if you spiritually honor your mother and father, even how small their faith was, if you honor, uh, you know, if you, I think Mitch, is Mitch here tonight? Mitch is here. He said to me after uh, last time I shared this that he was going to, you know, speak to his, his mom about, you know, her faith. You know, it's so easy to write our parents off and, and, and just, you know, they're not uh, fire-breathing Pentecostals or whatever. But if you, if you go back and search your family history and sit down with your parents and, and see if there's anything in there and dig it out, dig it out. And whatever it is, even small faith, just honor that faith instead of coming with, with our big ideas and our big experiences and trying to put that on them. The culture of honor honors what they have and what they live for. Jude chapter 1 verse 3 says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning a common salvation... Uh, that common word common means defiled. So there's a defiled salvation. Salvation can be defiled. Your salvation can be filled in with dirt from the Philistines. He says, I find it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly. So salvation gets defiled. It gets defiled. One of the ways salvation gets defiled is just through routine and religion. If your salvation, your experience of God has been defiled, if there's no joy in it, there's no life in it, it's probably because of routine and religion. Um, He exhorts them to earnestly contend. And that word earnestly contend means to struggle. To struggle and to employ effort to get back to the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So, So when well digging... I think there's two keys to understanding digging up the previous wells of revival. The first one is honour, honouring the previous generations and what they live for. And the second is just employing some effort, just some good, hard, grit, determination and some effort. And uh, Jesus spoke about a river of living water in John chapter 4, verse 14, he spoke about a fountain of water. But in John 7, verse 33, he spoke about a river of water. And I think as a community, we have, we've got to go from a process of fountain to a river. The fountain's good enough for us, but we can't be satisfied in what we have. We've got to allow the river of the Holy Spirit to flow through and begin to transform uh, the community. So we've got to get ready. I believe as Jesus passes us the, the baton that this could be, I don't know, it could be a 400-meter sprint. I, I used to do a bit of athletics at school and the 400-meter relay was a killer. Four, four of us would line up and each would do one lap of the oval, 400 meters and pass the baton. So it was, yeah, 1,600 meters. Maybe this is a 1,600-meter race. What was started by Maren's grandfather? What's your grandfather's name? Your dad. Sorry. John started Young Life. He started the baton of revival. He started the first leg of the race. He passed it on uh, to Pastor Jim, passed it on to Pastor Paul. He's passing it on to us. And... um, it could be the final leg of the race. 
whatever, but we've got to take that baton. We're going to run hard and we're going to see community transformation. Community transformation. So don't despise something small. You know, well digging, like me, that small little thing that I found out about my father, it's a start of a deep well that actually is the reason why we were given favour with the Presbyterian Church. God showed me that in the spirit because there were others that were Presbyterian that tried to get this building. But God gave it to us because of the well that my father dug when he was 12 years old, when he rang the bell down at the Presbyterian Church at Manly. God is calling us to keep ringing that bell, keep bringing people to church, keep bringing people to the house of God. And uh, that we shouldn't come alone. It's not, it's not enough to stand here in God's presence alone. We have to bring someone with us. We have to bring uh, the presence of God uh, into another's life. So we've got to dig deep. and We've got to remove the dirt that the Philistines have put into our lives. And there may be, you know, it just may no necessarily... Uh, no necessary fault of your own. It's just part of living in this world. You know, we're living in the enemy's territory. The Philistines are here. The enemy is here. And he's throwing dirt at you. Uh, but, but now is the time um, through prayer, through digging. Digging is, is it, it, it means we've got to take responsibility. Each of us got to take a spiritual shovel and, and just start digging, pressing in, in prayer. You can't just come to church and just receive and then go away for the week. You've, you've got to take responsibility. You've got to start digging. And um, your well may be someone else's bell. But when, when you dig and find water, maybe some somebody else's joy. So we've got to just keep, keep digging until we find water. Hmm. Yeah, um, just in the Anzac March today, I was talking to a man whose uh, father was a soldier, his grandfather was a soldier, was a prisoner of war, and he was telling me about the value of the guys that went and dug the, tr the trenches. You know, we don't think about that. But the guys that dug the trenches, uh, you know, like they saved the lives of the guys that were hiding in the trenches from the bullets. But we don't necessarily give them uh, any honour. Um, but it, it's, you know, and I, I was thinking, you know, we come in here tonight and we think it's all about us. But we don't understand that, that, that what's going on here is a product of years and years of sweat and toil and prayer that's, that's gone into this. We have to honour that. We have to value that. We, we can't take it for granted. We have an opportunity here to, to enjoy the labours of those that have gone before us and, and to, to go further with that. So, yeah, if the worship team could come back up. I, I believe tonight we're just going to dig a little deeper. Uh, we we want to dig some, some wells and ring some bells. In the spirit, yeah?